ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Captain's Slog with Ensigns Mark and Eddie, coming to you live from Ten Forward, where we are watching the canonically established episodes of Star Trek that the <laughs> computer has on board <laughs> as we work our way through the next generation. This week's episode, we're doing The Naked Now, but before that, yeah, Mark, how, how, how you been? How you been this week? Surviving. Certainly. Uh, my PlayStation 5 controller, humble brag, uh, has developed joystick drift, and I've been in a constant battle with Sony uh, to, to get that figured out, because I called them up and I waited in the queue for 20 minutes, and then I got a lovely woman who walked me through all the instructions on how to send my joystick back, my joypad. Maybe they used to be called Joypads? Are they still called Joypads? I know that on the um, Switch they're called Joy-Cons. Yeah. I hate. Like, d- yeah, fuck, Joy? No, don't tell me how <laughs> I'm supposed to feel. If I was to assign a, a motion to the control pad that I've used for most PlayStation games, but the definitive one would be Blinding Rage. Yeah. <laughs> and, and also, the game, like, when you're, when you're sitting playing... The Last of Us, and you, oh, yeah. you, you see that giraffe, and the game starts fucking beating you into the fucking ground, where it's like, feel bad, there's a giraffe, feel sad, feel fucking something, anything, feel sad, other than the fact that this is, at best, a mediocre shooter with with some fucking emotions in it that, that people maybe maybe don't expect from video games. Feel fucking sad. It's a fucking <laughs> giraffe. All right, you weren't expecting that, were you, cunt? Here's a fucking crafting mechanism that barely fucking works. Here's fucking some of the least interesting zombies you've ever fucking seen. But feel fucking sad because this is a real story and you're a murderer and you should feel bad <laughs> about all the people that you fucking killed. When I'm playing The Last of Us <laughs> and someone refers to it as a joypad, joy is not what I feel when I play The Last of Us on The Last of Us Part 2. No, I, mean, I, I wouldn't know. I didn't play The Last of Us Part 2 because, it, like, wh- wh- why would I? It, it's, okay, I, I love The Last of Us, but... Yeah, if you if you didn't enjoy it, you, you, there's no, the Last of Us Two is not going to make you. They don't go to a fucking theme park or any no. shit. It's just as fucking. It's if anything, significantly fucking sadder. Every every cutscene made me feel worse about myself. Do you know what I love in video games, Eddie? Do you know what I love? What? Fucking unrelentless murder. Yeah. No, not unrelentless. Yeah. Relentless murder. I like yeah. booting up GTA Four, getting a grenade. <laughs> holding in the cook grenade button and then running into a hospital. <laughs> right? I find that incredibly cathartic. So, the, do you know what? See the idea that a video game would go one step further and say, listen, we not only do all of your car, not only do all the people you know you kill have names, and those names will be announced, the other people will feel sad about them. When they were releasing GTA San Andreas and they were talking about how good it was going to be and what it was going to bring to the the canon of video games, they basically said every single one of the non-player characters will have a life that you can go and... Ruin. Observe. Like, if you want to follow (laughs) them around all day. Like, if you gave me the option of having a named character with a family that I could follow around all day and then when the time took me stab them to death even if that was not the intended mechanic of the actual game great give me it i'll i'll take five please i think every wolfenstein game would be improved when if after you'd killed the nazis when you go over to like loot their body and take their ammo if you just got like a a keepsake from home with them with their (laughs) nazi family and their nazi children yeah and just like it turns out like johan 15 and you get to go oh he's gonna go out with that dad but that's what you get for being a fucking nazi yeah exactly so joy pad no sad pad <laughs> i i immediately after i finished playing the last of us i started playing doom yeah now last of us is a game that wants you to feel bad about killing and doom is a game that has so much killing that my eyes hurt after playing it because i was forgetting to blink 
<laughs> I like The Last of Us, but to pretend it's some artistic achievement. There was a guy on the, when The Last of Us 2 came out, there was a game critic who tried to got it in the neck quite a lot on Twitter and tried to make it some point about being brave for being a critic and like how like his view was valid. But his view was that he compared The Last of Us to Schindler's List. Right? Fuck off. <laughs> right? Which is a movie about a real Holocaust that actually happened. Yeah. Not a fake made up mushroom headed zombie game. Yeah. Like I'm not shitting on I mean I am shitting on The Last of Us. <laughs> I think it's six out of ten at best. And I, and I think that as a non parent, the decision made by the main character at the end of the story is so baffling to me that it made me not want to even touch The Last of Us Part 2 just because I might have to play as a guy who doomed the entire fucking human race. Now, don't get me wrong, Eddie. I one day hope to be the man who dooms (laughs) the entire human race, but I want to do it on my fucking terms. Uh, So anyway, Last of Us Part 1. Didn't like it. Last of Us Part 2. I might like it. I don't know. I played Days Gone instead because that had... Uh, fun and it was intentional fun it wasn't just knifing mike and then everyone going oh no mike's kids won't eat tonight which i will find endlessly entertaining but the problem is the game is going to continue it's going to just constantly keep coming at me telling me about how i shouldn't be enjoying this (laughs) and i really 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 am um the last of us part part two um has a bit where it does two perspectives throughout the game uh, and there's a bit where one of the characters kills the dog that's been like your companion as the other character all the way through and you're supposed to feel suddenly viscerally very bad about killing a dog but the game prior to this has done a fantastic job of establishing that the dogs in The Last of Us 2 are fucking annoying yeah like to the point where like you shoot them with a sniper rifle from a distance before you go into any room because fuck that. So I don't know why I'm supposed to feel bad about suddenly killing this dog. I feel less bad about manipulating the animals in the Far Cry series. <laughs> what, letting a tiger out of a cage? Yeah. Oh, I love it. To just go and maul <laughs> some islanders. Great. Anyway, so how, anyway, so yeah. how, how are you doing? Uh, I hung a bike from a ceiling. Uh, that's been my week. I saw that. Yeah. Well, so uh, yeah, my, we we moved. We we've got a house and um, we moved in, and the only place we can store the bike is in the ceiling, sort of above the stairs. But having to set that all up on your own while your girlfriend's at work is an arsehole. Because <laughs> uh, to put a ladder up, drill two holes in the ceiling, put the screws, the bolts through that I've got, and then use duct tape to hold them in position, and then take the ladder down go back into the hallway, set the ladder back up so I can climb into the cupboard that I've the bottom of the cupboard I've drilled into crawl all the way through where I've now got the bolt sticking through and then tight, uh, then put the nuts on and tighten them up and then get back in put the ladder, take the ladder down put the ladder back up in the hallway, go on, tighten that all up and then attach the whole yeah, it was an arsehole it no, took- that sounds very spidery <laughs> and therefore I, I personally would just get my dad to do it the thing is, I've already I'd already told my dad that this was one of the projects I was undertaking as a man who now owns a house. Yeah. And because I'd bragged about that to my dad, I could not ring my dad for any assistance or advice. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I get it. But speaking anyway. of dads, do you know who doesn't have a dad? Wesley Crusher. <laughs> Just thought I'd bring that back. Um, I would like to start before we go into the episode going to talk about i'd like to start at the end of last episode i said i remember this episode and i think it's quite good i would like to apologize to our listeners for one i didn't actually remember what episode this was and two i realize now saying i hate like this episode would make me a misogynist (laughs) so (laughs) i'm gonna walk that back because fuck me is this an episode of star trek that hates women uh (laughs) what is the so this is episode two of season one yeah. Of Star Trek The Next Generation. Eddie, what is the plot of this episode? 
Right, so they get a distress call from a ship. They go to the ship. There's a thing on board the ship that makes everybody act like they're drunk. They bring it back. Everybody acts like they're drunk. But also, the star they're near is going to explode. They nearly get blown up, but then they fix it just in time. Yeah, because drunk people can't fly starships. Yeah. Yeah. It is established later on in Next Generation that the alcohol has been replaced with synthahol. Mm -hmm. And as such... I imagine everybody involved in the Federation is just a fucking lightweight. That's like yeah. why Romulan A always such a big thing, because it actually like gets you pissed. And I feel that that... Because I would like to point out that throughout this entire episode, I in my head I have decided this is canon, because Worf shows no signs whatsoever of being compromised. And I would like to believe <laughs> that he was... Basically, he was the first one. But because he comes from a culture that actually fucking drinks. Yeah. He's just, just so fine. So what? So what are the properties of synthahol? Do they still make you? Does it still make you drunk? It gets you. It, it gets you lightly buzzed. Right. You can also then take a hypo spray of something else, and it deactivates it. But surely you could just do that with alcohol, because you you can actually now. Um. Um. What I've done here, Eddie, is I've leaned forward and I've started making the face that says, "I am about to quote a scientific fact." But I will be honest, I'm not 100% sure if this is true. <laughs> From what I understand, if someone is drunk, you can make them instantly not drunk by injecting, by putting them on a saline drip. I've, I've, I know you can do saline drip to cure a hangover, I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. I imagine a full blood transfusion. Yeah, beam out all their blood and beaming new blood. So what exactly? What? Yeah, what? Do, yeah, <laughs> what does synthahol have going for it that alcohol doesn't? Like, why don't they just have a cure for alcohol? I, I, all I can imagine is that in Star Trek, everyone li- everyone's lives is so, just so good that they don't need to numb the constant pain. Ah, yeah, uh, that is true. Because this is in the episode where Scotty turns. Like, this is all from one episode of Star Trek where Scotty turns up in the Next Generation. And he's just like, well, where's your whiskey? I'm like, we haven't got any whiskey. We're on a spaceship. He's like, oh, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> Which is the correct response. That's fair enough. I have, I mean, I haven't drank to just for the enjoyment <laughs> since about 2015. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's fair. It's, um, but... So, so they, right, so they, so they go to this, so the, the away team goes to this, this planet. And then they come well, back. It's a, it's a spaceship. It's the Silkowski. It's a Silkowski they go to. Yeah. Which is monitoring a collapsing red star, and they've got a strange message from it, which is basically a horny lady looking for cock. Yeah. Um, so instantly, Picard's like, "We're on our way." Because we don't have <laughs> enough of them on our ship. Yeah. Oh, That's an ironic statement there. <laughs> um. So they so they they show up. They go at the ship. They wander around the corridor, yeah. and everyone Riker, is dead. Yeah, Riker, Geordi, uh, Data, and Troy. Yeah, beat him over. The, the dream team. Yeah, I don't know what Troy's doing there. She's um, she's there to be underused by the writers. Yeah. So they go there. They find that everyone's dead. Yeah. Um, and they've all died as a result of some kind of like. Stupid decisions. Stupid decisions, right? Including like, a, so- another example, a room full of frozen people. Yeah. And cause... last time, <laughs> Tasha Yar got frozen. And in this episode, I think it's Riker goes over to a frozen woman uh, and cats. I think it's Geordie right. catches a, a falling out of the shower. Yeah. yeah. And it's exactly as bad as it was in the previous episode. Was that Roddenberry's <laughs> thing? Just catching frozen women. Roddenberry was if fuck me every winter. You build a snowman outside the Roddenberry household. You've got forty seconds before he's gonna fuck it. Uh, <laughs> it's impossible to keep a snowman there because I don't know if you know this, but the melting point of snow is below the standing temperature of cum. <laughs> Take that nothing to the bank. T- nothing turns Gene Roddenberry off faster than seeing a woman at a comfortable temperature. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, yeah, so 
Um, okay, this does have one of my... Sorry, I've uh, started that I've remembered forever. Because there's been... One of the rooms, a hatch has been opened. And Riker comments that they've all been sucked into space. And Data's like, no, they were blown into space. It's a common misconception. Mm-hmm. Um, which is interesting, because this episode manages to both suck and blow. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't the room for the frozen people is just because somebody fucked with the air conditioning as well? Yeah, turned it up to that frozen setting. Why does it have that setting? <laughs> Why anything? Why don't they just drink real booze? Starfleet's a fucking mess. Starfleet makes I've decided Starfleet makes so much more sense if you decide that all of the chief all of the engineers on all of the ships are having these wacky science fiction adventures where they have to come up with bullshit fucking excuses like and reasons for doing stuff and nobody has any time to actual to actually take out scheduled maintenance or like beta testing of any product. <laughs> this is so this is what Lord X is about. Um, there's a, there's an excellent episode of Lord X called I think it's called Buffer Time or something, right? And the captain of, of that ship discovers that all of the crew they generally like if they're given a, a set of tasks and they always overestimate how much time the task is going to take to give themselves some buffer time and some time to sit around. Um, and the captain figures this out and decides there will be no more buffer time. This ship is going to run the most efficient it possibly can and everyone gets immediately so tired that they almost lose a battle to like the worst Star Trek villain you've ever seen (laughs) because everyone is constantly knackered all the time yeah so yeah there is I I think there is time for a lot of beta testing and like yeah I mean it just you just have to log it as taking four hours when really it only took 45 minutes so that you can go to because when else is anyone finding the time to go to to any of the forwards, which I discovered there are more than there is more than one. There is in fact a one to nine forward. And a really? ten forward, which is where we are. And then potentially more. Yeah, any recreation area is called a forward. Okay. So you're okay. And that was uh, this one's on deck ten. But there's I've yeah. never been to the other nine decks. I should do that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I agree. Especially if that's not where fucking like you have to sit there and watch like Troy I fuck a brownie. And shit. <laughs> um, it's important to note that everything we've listed, right, is prior to us actually having the intro for the episode. Yeah, you get a data going, everybody's dead, and then it actually starts. So it's a lengthy fucking prologue. For this one. Very lengthy, much like and this, was, eighteen minutes. And what's the, and what's the Sil- the Silkovsky is the ship that's there, right? And apparently. It's researching a collapsing star. Now, what? Did what? How? This is something that comes up a lot in Star Trek. Is like they're researching a collapsing star. What information do they need from collapsing stars that they haven't gotten from when they've researched? Like, there's a lot of ships. It's like, why are they? Why? Why do you need an entire manned ship? Why can't you just put a probe there? Yeah, and leave it be. Because I guess the only really interesting thing that you would learn about from a collapsing star is like its change in radiation and things like that. Yeah. Which I don't. I don't mean when I say the most interesting thing. I don't mean that to sound facetious. I imagine it would be incredibly useful <laughs> information to have. But yeah, you yeah. could. You. I mean, you know, make data do it. Just you could make it. You don't even need a data. A probe will do that for you. Yeah. Yeah. So the. So they go there, they find that everyone's dead. They, they, they can, Picard goes, well, there's very little we can do here. Um, so let's get everybody back. After last episode, I have made a note of this. Um, last episode, Troy was appropriately addressed mm-hmm. for her fucking rank on board the ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's now in just this casual outfit that she'll remain in until another captain calls her out for it in like five seasons. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I don't know why. Why she's allowed to? Why is nobody else on the bridge? Because I, if I was on at Starfleet and she was like that, dressed like that, I'd turn up the next day in jeans and a t-shirt. Um, <laughs> I, it, it, yeah, but it's a cultural thing, surely. Like, do Betazoids dress like that? I know Betazoids get married naked. Yeah, that's that's nice. We never go to the planet Betazoid, probably because they were like, well, nobody cares. 
Also probably just because it, it'd be really difficult pixelating out all the naked weddings that were happening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that all happens. They've been back to the ship. There's no quarantine. No basic... Like, um, uh, Data has a medical exam. How is it the, a doctor's job not... Like, how is he not being checked out in engineering? Why? Yeah. How is how is this Beverly? How is Beverly Crusher a doctor who has a, a, an extensive like field of like experience with alien bodies? How is it her job to assess the health and well being of a creature that literally outside of this one example doesn't exist? Medical doctors aren't even allowed to <laughs> to do medicine on animals. Yeah, data is more complicated than a horse, and therefore, why? yeah, why isn't there a vet? <laughs> On the Enterprise that takes care of Data and the dolphins. Did you know that there are dolphins on the Enterprise? What? So there are dolphins <laughs> on the Enterprise. There's literally an entire deck that's just for dolphins. Because they they, they discovered in Star Trek Four that there are beings out there that only communicate with cephalopods. So every deck of a ship has a dolphin Gotta deck, bring them. just in case. I don't think they are cephalopods. I think a cephalopod is like an octopus or something. But whatever, yeah. a, crit- a, a, a cretation. A cetacean. A cetacean, yeah. yeah. So you've, and like, they're le- legitimately part of the crew. They have rank. Because the problem is, <laughs> if now, you... Now I just want the episode where they meet another ship and the captain's a dolphin. <laughs> yeah, because that'd be the thing. That'd be, imagine the confusion, like, when they, when they show up and the only two people they can communicate with are both ensigns. You have to at least make one dolphin superior to the other, and how do you decide that? Because then, like, is there a, is there a Starfleet protocol that says when, not if, when uh, on the word when is underlined three times, not if when we come into contact with a dolphin crew, does the dolphin, does Lieutenant Commander Flipper? Does he get to override Picard's decisions? Yeah, this I don't know. I've got many questions. Yeah, because yeah, now you mentioned it. Yeah, it's established there's sentient beings that you can communicate with. So if you've yeah. got the universal translator, you can talk to a dolphin, right? But here's the thing. So I recently found out. You know, in in Star Wars, you know, um, Akbar is one of the Mon Calamari. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know he's from a planet called Mon Calamar? Yeah. But did you know there is a second aquatic sentient species? also from that planet now if i'm just gonna say this if you're from a planet where there are two sentient species and the planet is named after one of them i'm going to assume the other one isn't being treated particularly well (laughs) (laughs) and maybe that's like 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 we called we called uh, like earth earth we didn't call it water so i can't imagine the dolphins are getting a decent fucking run of things no but Uh, (laughs) Yeah, there's no quarantine. Data gets a medical, and then Jordy is a bit too hot. A bit too hot and short-tempered, uh, and makes a bad joke. Gives a bit of grief to Beverly Crusher, Dr. Yeah. Beverly Crusher. Well, Data gives her more shit, because she's like, you should be in a medical textbook. And he's like, I'm in several, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't understand the concept of a joke. Yeah. But also... Like, if Beverly was aware that he was in medical textbooks, she could have made a different joke. Like, this is why you're in several medical textbooks. And I just think she's fallen behind on her reading. I agree. <laughs> I, 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 and I think what happened is that she went on there and she was like, I don't really need to look up anything on data. Because <laughs> if anything's wrong with data, he's going to get sent immediately to engineering. <laughs> and then suddenly Picard is like uh, Dr. Crusher can you go in and check on data and she's like oh fuck um, <laughs> and she messages him back and she's like listen I'm going to be about 20 minutes because <laughs> I've got a lot of reading to do because I assumed that this would be like if, if like a car broke down you yeah. said you don't like yeah sure I'm sure that there are doctors that can fix their own car yeah but I'm not going but, to them as a mechanic yeah it's like okay if Hawkeye gets stabbed you take him to the doctor. Yeah. Right? If something goes wrong with the vision, Tony has a look. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Fucking ridiculous. Um, anyway, let's crack uh, on. Yeah. So Crusher, Crusher does, like, Geordie's sweaty and short-tempered, but Crusher, uh, he's confined to sickbay, and she let Crusher lets everybody else go, because apparently she's never heard the word asymptomatic. <laughs> or 
symptomatic. Yeah. Because he's sweating. He and he's short-tempered. Um, I, I, I'd like to point out that this is then followed by Riker being the biggest piece of shit ever. Because Riker goes to Data because he wants some information. Because Geordie found the frozen woman in a shower with her clothes on. So Riker decides that the best use of Data, the highly advanced android's time, is to look up, because he's vaguely recalls hearing a story about somebody showering with their clothes on before. So Data should use the next several hours of his time going through the entire Starfleet database to work out what this was and see if it in any way relates. Oh, for fuck's sake. And There's then, so much to unpack here. Luckily, they discover that it was an incident that happened on the Enterprise A which is yeah. the Enterprise that's featured in Star Trek The Next Generation. So all they had to do was get the DVD the... box set out <laughs> that they they're have. Reading, they're reading it. Sorry, it's not origi- The Next Generation. It's the original series. Yeah. Because that's something that will annoy the nerds. That... Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, yeah, take that back. But, but when they do get that information, Picard reads it off and he's like, uh, Enterprise A, Captain James T. Kirk. As if the fact that James <laughs> Kirk, one of the most important people in Federation history... Is like the fact that he captained the first Enterprise is fucking news to Picard. <laughs> like, oh, I'm, I'm not, Kirk. No, no, can't say, can't say the name rings a bell. It's like he stopped galactic war on like six separate occasions. He discovered he God. <laughs> he, dis- he, he discovered fucking God. If you also have you, he's the only person to ever beat the Kobayashi Maru. He's the person that being able to talk computers into exploding themselves course at Starfleet is named after. He's right? the reason that you have dolphins, Picard. <laughs> <laughs> right. I've got just a written down here, just as a little note. I love Beverly Crusher's swivel terminal that she's got on her desk. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it just swivels around. It's like, oh, stuff doesn't swivel yet. <laughs> like I've got, I've got loads of stuff on my desk that doesn't swivel around. Why hasn't that been made swivelable? I'm asking you, <laughs> Silicon Valley, get your shit together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I've just got Geordie walks off because, despite being confined, they didn't bother you know locking the door. No. And then Crusher sends security after him, and then we get some. Fu- then we get to Wesley, who's dicking about with a fucking tractor beam. Oh, and he's got and he's got a weird little computer that does Picard's voice, the creepy little freak. Two things on that: one, Jordy is obviously pissed, drunk, and so he escapes sickbay. And the first thing he does is go to hang out with Wesley. Come on, mate. But they they don't show the scene on the way where he stops at a replicator for a kebab. <laughs> but yeah, so Wesley's got Wesley's invented a sort of personal tractor beam. Yeah. That he uses to float a couch around. Yeah. And ev- and everyone's and everyone's supposed to be super impressed by this. When when and no one turns around and goes, We actually have transporter technology, we can literally take anything from anywhere and put it anywhere else. I I I can't can't get my head around the idea that no one else has thought of having small tractor beams. Yeah. And repul- like cuz it just seems like like at no at no at no point in the future has anybody gone I'm thinking of knocking together one of these I've been looking through the old Earth archives from the 90s. I'm thinking of knocking together one of these Iron Man suits because <laughs> we have all of the technology for that. But yeah. no, no no one's ever bothered to do that. I also like the insinuation, right? That when the tractor beams were invented, they never knocked up a small prototype. Like yeah. they, they just went, "How big can this be? Make it that big." First time. One of the major problems with this scene is we as audience members don't have enough context on what tractor beams are and how they're made and how they work to know if the was like the first tractor beam, like a mile wide. Yeah. And like since then, it's been steady miniaturization. Or was there a small proof of concept at one point? Because that's something. That's actually something I've got written down here. Um, second episodes are important, 
because they show what it's like to just have a day in the life of the characters. Yeah. That's what a second episode is really meant to be. It's meant to be, you know, uh, a takeaway from the first one. In the first one, we introduced everyone, we set up character dynamics. But now, in the second episode, it's just, what does a day in the life of these characters look like? Let's learn more about them. Before we jump back into the story with episode three, that's really the way that a second episode should really yeah. work. And the problem with this one is that everyone is... So, I, first of all, I said lots of shows do a what if everyone was drunk episode. Why does no one ever do an everyone is hungover episode? But <laughs> everyone is drunk only works if we already know how their characters will act not yeah. drunk. Yeah. There's a lot of behaviour in this episode that I don't know if it's massively out of character for them. Yeah. Like, to jump ahead, later on in this episode, Tasha fucks Data. Right? Now, I don't know if last week was the only week that Tasha hasn't got some dick since she got on board. <laughs> right? So I don't know how out of character... But yeah. Anyway, I've just got here. Geordie jo- wanders off from his little meeting with fucking Wesley. And like you say, you don't, like... You want to have a normal day in their lives. Yeah. So, so, so what's the next thing that happens in this one? Tasha finds Geordie on the observation deck, and Geordie asks Tasha to fix his blindness, which <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine is something that Geordie is saying to anybody ever. No, not, not especially not on the observation deck. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? There's no need to rub it in, Geordie. <laughs> that's, just, that's just emotional manipulation. I've just written down after I've written down, down. I've just got written down. In, I've just written down. Big ask um, <laughs> from the chief of security. Yeah, <laughs> and there's also that that thing of because what we know about Jordy is that Jordy's visor is extremely good. He can't see a normal vision, but he can see more of the electromagnetic spectrum. Yeah, he can see certain radiation. Like he, he obviously can function because he can use because he can fly the fucking enterprise so he obviously can see the individual buttons on his control pad which are on like a screen so he's obviously able to discern colors of that but what if he cured his blindness and he was like actually this is worse (laughs) yeah Yeah. i'm certain if i sat down with matt murdoch and went matt we can cure your blindness he'd be like hold on (laughs) because <laughs> at the moment with what I've got I can just hit a pipe and I can see round corners am I still going to be able to do that no no doesn't sound like it'd be better no be we have you. we have senses for that they're called ears <laughs> yeah he'd be less blind yeah it's, or he'd it's be just, more blind yeah it's yeah, it's, yeah yeah Um. so yeah so we go and we see Jordy having a little cry <laughs> and then which he shouldn't do because it will short circuit his visor. And yeah. then we cut back to Tasha going well, cr- going through Deanna Troy's. Uh, well, I guess she calls it her casual uh, closet, but evidently it's her formal one as well because she just wears whatever the fuck she wants. And Tasha's like trying on new clothes, saying that she's jealous of Deanna because Deanna's fit. Yeah, it's weird, isn't was, it? Okay, was was Tasha kind of hitting on Troy here? Yeah, yeah. There's a yeah case of too much lesbian pollen in the air has made Tasha suddenly come over all gay because <laughs> uh, that's how that works. Yep. Apparently, oh for fuck's sake! <laughs> so um, it should be pointed out at this point we're getting to about, sort of about the halfway point of the episode, and at this point, pretty much most of the characters are pissed. And again, I'm going to establish, Worf has not moved from his chair and is performing his duties absolutely fine because he's the only person on the entire crew who's not a fucking lightweight. Tell us um, what's happening on the on the engineering deck. All oh, right, okay. So down on engineering, um, Wesley turns up with his little weirdo voice box thing that he's made. And makes oh, tell us about the voice thing again. So, so he's made a little voice thing from clipping together... He's deep-faked Picard, yeah. is what he's done. He's clipped together enough clips of Picard's voice that he's got a little pad that he can press that makes Picard... He's basically he's made a, a, a voice, a soundboard app 
but the, but the main the main thing to take away from it is that it's not just Picard giving regular orders; it's Picard telling Wesley how much he loves him. Yeah, it's Picard telling Wesley that he's great. Yeah. Now, it needs to be established because, as far as we know, Wesley at this point has met Picard on exactly two occasions, <laughs> and the first one was him walking through the front door with his dad's body over his shoulder. <laughs> And the second time was when Picard told him to get the fuck off his bridge. <laughs> Why does Wesley already crave this man's like 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 it's yeah, it's weird, it's creepy, it's stalkerish. But he's used this little voice box and he uses it to trick the chief engineer and the assistant engineer um off. Now it's important to note that the chief engineer again is not Geordie LaForge. It is a blonde woman who has no name that is given and is not established as having a name or being worthy of having a name by virtue of the fact that she is not a white man. Um, so she fucks off and a pissed, off, pissed up Wesley puts his little tractor beam up so people can't get into the bit of engineering that he's in. Yep. And then he, the, like, the like second in command of engineering is in there pissed up with him and he's just pulling the chips out of the computer. You know, like you do, like well, you, you've been drunk before, yeah. And I, I, I can't, I can't be alone in saying this, but within seconds of getting properly pissed, I immediately dismantle my phone. It's uh, a, like <laughs> it's gone to the point now where I don't need to go on YouTube to find out how to reassemble my television. Because <laughs> I just, because what happens is I, I, I have two beers. And then I'll sit and watch a David Attenborough nature documentary and I'll go, that's really weird that that little old English guy is in that flat box. (laughs) I should take it apart to let him out. And then I take it apart and I don't find any dead bodies in there. And I'm like, oh, this is this is beyond me. So then the next day I have to look it back up how to how to reassemble my television. And you know what, man? They tell you what these Japanese tellies complicated. (laughs) This episode was clearly written by people... Okay, I was going to say this has been written by people who've never been drunk. But what it's actually been written by is men whose view on alcohol and how it relates to the subject of consent (laughs) is troubling. Because it's worth noting that so far we've spoken mostly about men in this episode and their different reactions to being pissed up. Geordie cries about being blind, which Jesus Christ makes him miserable to go on the piss with. Yeah. Um, Wesley Crusher. Wesley Crusher actually gets kind of a pass because he's young and he's never been pissed before. Fine. All of the women instantly become horny sluts. Yeah. Um, is pretty much the only way to describe this. Um, like, they all start throwing themselves at anyone and very specifically anything. Because this is the episode where Tasha Yar famously has sex with data i think that you're underselling it there because what happens is <laughs> data shows up to tasha yars and i've got a lot written down about this data, <laughs> data shows up to tasha yars oh okay yeah sorry i've got i've got a lot of notes on this scene i do have that tasha's there and she's got a little superman uh like thing in her hair like a little yeah. s that she's made and she's in a sexy dress and she invites Data in, and she starts flirting with him by telling him about how when she was five years old, she learned to escape from, and I quote, the rape gangs. Uh, it's also mentioned that she, she had to escape from the rape gangs because at the age of five, Tasha was abandoned by her father. You know, now, look, I don't, I don't want to sound like a terrible human being. Now, on the one hand, this is terrible flirting, but... This sort of traumatic backstory does mean that Tasha is at least going to be a very good fuck. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Look, it's, we don't want to... Nobody wants to admit it, but people with deep-seated tra- traumatic emotional issues are better in bed. And that's just a fact. Uh, <laughs> so, but also, nobody's attempt to flirt with anyone ever should use the words rape gangs. Unless <laughs> it's... What are you into that you, like, you know, you have to make anonymous 
profiles <laughs> on like fetish websites to even not even to set up even to just discuss <laughs> like then you can use the word rape gangs while flirting yeah. yeah this is the kind of thing that if this is what you're into you wouldn't you, you, you this isn't just private mode no right? incognito no this is this is somebody else's laptop yeah. using the Wi-Fi at a public location while you're in the toilets. Yeah. This is a computer that you have bought with cash. <laughs> <laughs> it is also, I'd like to point out, established in this uh, section that whoever built Data built him as a fuckbot. <laughs> so I have written down the line, I am programmed in multiple techniques, a broad variety of pleasuring. He is Which, fully functional. Fully functional. Broad variety of pleasuring, I imagine, includes rape gang fantasies. <laughs> it does raise a very important question. What purpose was Data and his brothers created for? <laughs> Eddie. The fact that you're asking that question shows that you have a fundamental misunderstanding of innovation in the Star Trek universe. Because the first question you have to ask after you invent anything is how well does it fuck? <laughs> then, how is this going to help us learn to be better people? Yeah, we invented the warp engine. This will help us travel and fuck people on other planets. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which, and then, I don't know, further intergalactic... Who oh, cares? The first thing a replicator ever made was one of those blow-up dolls. <laughs> <laughs> I was, let's make it like a blow-up doll, you know, you know, as, as, as a joke. As a joke, yeah, it'd be funny, it'd be funny. We'll do it as a joke, just as a little joke. Oh, it works. Right, okay. Anyway, see so you guys... Uh, uh, let's let's go let's go celebrate. But then later on, he sneaks back to the lab. Right, hold on. How do you spell flashlight? <laughs> <laughs> so so they so they so they, they go out. They they do the, the the classic daytime television thing of there's sexy music, and then they go in a room and then the doors close. Yes. Yeah. Now now at this point as well, I don't know. This doesn't seem to be related to any of my other notes. I've just written the sentence: beam Wesley into fucking space. <laughs> it's not like it's not like Doctor Beverly Crusher would notice because she's a bit busy at the moment. Yeah, yeah, she is she's flinging herself at Picard. Right? Can I ask, can I just say what I've written down here? Doctor yeah. Crusher shows up on the bridge, takes out her hair clip, tells Picard it's urgent, and then sexily runs into his ready room. Is Picard worried that this entire situation is just a holodeck program that he forgot he started? <laughs> I, I also I want to I I Worf's response to this just to look over <laughs> casually raise an eyebrow and then just go back to work because again Worf's entire demeanor throughout this episode makes sense if you consider that he is he is like everybody else a solid twenty five beers deep but he's just fine with that and he's <laughs> yeah it's as if he's had like one pint and he's given it the old wink right I don't think we've uh, mentioned here as well that we should mention because of what Wesley's done in engineering, they don't have control of the ship, and the star that's going to explode is going to explode. Yeah, it's so textbook. It's the textbook. Something's gone wrong on the ship, but to add a ticking clock aspect, there's oh, yeah. a big exploding thing in space. This is proper Star Trek. Yeah, this is the the crew are affected by something, and there is also an external force. There is both an internal and an external force stopping us yeah. from solving this quite solvable problem. This is yeah. This is textbook Trek, and it's anyone who doesn't admit that's wrong. Yeah, it's just unfortunate that in this episode, the issue on board the ship is so fucking stupid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 so Beverly Crusher pulls Picard into the ready room, te yeah. tells him that I've I think I've figured out how to solve this problem, but I've been infected in the meantime. Yeah, and also all I want to do right now is fuck you. Did she not pass any other men on the way up? <laughs> None of them stand up, because because Picard is her only superior officer, and even then she has superiority if she wants to pull it. Like she, I I believe apart from Picard himself, she has the most power on the ship. Yeah, she can pull anybody from active duty. 
if she believes them to be. Basically, stuff like this happens in fucking Starfleet a lot. So your doctor's yeah. got to be okay with saying, no, he's not in charge anymore. He's yeah. mad. So, well, I can't remember what the point I was going to go to there. So I'm, I'm just going to... I'm just going to say something to you, Eddie, and I want to just to see what the reaction is. What is the weird little noise that Picard makes? <laughs> right. I would like to point out that on my notes, I've just looked down at the bit that I've got for like this entire scene. Yeah. And I started it with the line, Crusher has an urgent vagina business for Captain Picard. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that noise is it's a, it's a noise that doesn't appear again in Star Trek as far as I'm aware. I had to watch it 3 times to figure out where it was coming from. Can you edit can you try and edit it in? I'll try and get it and try and edit it in. Yeah. And it's it, if I have done that, it's this noise. <laughs> and if I didn't do that, fuck you, this is free. Yeah. Um but yeah, it's it's fucking what is it's he does so, it again? It's He's... such a weird choice to make as an actor. This is a, a, a well-trained Shakespearean actor that I have to believe it's in the script. But then, oh. how did you get this man to sign on for this show if that was in any of the scripts? Well, here's what I wrote. Has any Shakespeare prepared Sir Patrick Stewart for this? <laughs> is there? Like, because I, 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 I guess kind of Midsummer Night's Dream. Like, they yeah. get a bit knocked up on magic booze. Right? Yeah. Like that is the plot of that play, I think. This episode, I would like to point out as well that there is a part of this episode, the part of the important thing is that if the star explodes, the matter from the star is going to fly out and like it could hit the ship. Yeah. I understand that, for the most part in Star Trek, it's pretty good to just not focus on the accuracy of the science. <laughs> but I will say this. That is not how stars work. Stars collapse in on themselves under their own weight and get smaller and smaller and then slowly shed hawking radiation if they reach the point of being a black hole or normal radiation if they don't. They don't throw chunks of star. There are no chunks. Yeah. It's just like a soup of hydrogen. But anyway, they've now got 14 minutes to... Oh, yeah, by the way, Data's drunk as well. Oh, yeah, Data's drunk as fuck. Because he has a circulatory system. It was clearly the idea was at this point that they wanted to establish that like weird bullshit stuff that affects the crew could also affect data and then i think this is the only time this ever happens because then they realize actually isn't it more interesting if data is the only one who can't be affected and therefore what like, does what it's like yeah like yeah. we have to like work out what's going on but and hence why in later episodes whenever there's like a mind control thing going on with the crew you know it's serious when they like trick data into coming into a room and knock him unconscious yeah <laughs> <laughs> like, oh fuck it's serious now uh, I, I literally my my notes for the entire beverly crusher thing is crusher has an urgent vagina business crusher wants to bang picard picard also wants to fuck <laughs> i've just got wolf spots bullshit as a foot <laughs> 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 but yeah at this point is now they've now got 14 minutes until the ship explodes and they've Data, they think Data can fix the computer. Oh, this is my favourite bit. They've got 14 <laughs> minutes until the ship explodes, and Data explicitly says it will take exactly 15 minutes to solve this problem. <laughs> Which is particularly annoying, because when Crusher turns up later on and gives him like the hypo spray that cures the drunkenness, Data speeds up. Yeah. Uh, so this is a great thing where Data's hand moves really quickly, because he's a robot and he can do stuff like that. And he's got to rebuild the thing. And meanwhile, this is, this is again another episode thing of like why I think this episode hates women. Because mm-hmm. um, at this point, the the uh, the force field's been knocked down. They've taken out power to the area, so well, they've gotten into engineering. So Data can start repairing the computer, and the chief engineer is there, and she's like, "Well, the only way we could get ourselves more time is if we could push ourselves away from the other ship." using like some sort of reverse tractor beam which is like seems impossible <laughs> and would yeah. take me at least two hours to do and then wesley crusher is like well fortunately for you you can't think that big because you're a woman but i even as a child and i'm a man i'm better than you so i'm just going to knock it together in the next five minutes yeah yeah despite how does the tractor beam just not have a re- reverse button 
They spend a lot of time. There's a lot of time in Star Trek. Yeah. Trek where they spend a lot of time rewiring like systems that they've got to make those systems do the opposite, and then they never just keep that as a switch. Why? Because like if they if they end up in a Romulan minefield, and they try to tractor beam in, say a shuttle that's lost power. Uh oh, yeah. we've tractored in a mine. Oh well, just need to wait for it to hit us now. <laughs> yeah, it's because they also established yeah. that they can't just get out of the way, right? Like they're they're stuck there because they pulled out all the chips. Yeah, because they haven't got the chips to make the computer go. Yeah, which again, why is the warp engine not got a separate computer? Like like everything else is gone. That's fine. Why can't I just like have on the warp engine a button that I press? Like I can go up to it, yeah. and take a panel off. There's like a like a switch you have to put in a thumbprint. It's just like go at warp one forwards immediately. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't there some good techno babble in this though? He does he does well. That's apparently I found this out recently. That's not like a thing that like the actual writers of Star Trek do. You write in that you want some techno babble, and they have like a specific nerd they send all that shit off to. And he comes back and he's like, well, I know how that system works. So he has to come up with what Wesley would say. Yeah. So, yeah, because like, apparently like there are scripts for Star Trek that exist where they, they literally says, Geordie takes the thing and puts it in the thing. Yep. So it does the thing. Did you know as, as well, there's actually a guy, one specific guy who does that for the thick of it in Veep. But his job is to punch up the swearing. That that man is a hero of mine. Yeah, like he, he came up with the line, "I've walked through a hurricane of piss out there." Uh, <laughs> he has. You are. You are a waste of fucking skin. Um, I know. I know. One of my favourite insults is uh, Malcolm says to Jamie, "Jamie, go easy on them," and he goes, "You know me, Malk. Kid gloves, except made of actual kids." <laughs> But no, I can't remember what his job title is, but he's in the credits as like some sort of consultant. But literally, his job is to get the scripts and punch up the swearing. And he's called Will Smith, which is even cooler. Um, no, that makes sense. But no, Wesley, Wesley does well. I, I find it difficult to hate Wesley. I, I think a lot of it is to do with the fact that I know that Will Wheaton is a top lad. Yeah, in real life. But I I, I, yeah. I I agree with you. I will say that the show is making it hard to like him. Yeah. Because like even his moments of triumph like this is like look Wesley the boy genius succeeded and it's like yeah but to put him in a position to do that you had to literally denigrate all women yep. who have ever lived. <laughs> <laughs> no yeah I, I, yeah I, I agree. And then all I've got for the last bit of it is a uh, I've just got Wolf doesn't like Wesley by no. the look of things apparently he's been watching the show he must slip in to like his quarters <laughs> that's what he does on his day off <laughs> just watches TNG um, and, um, and and apparently despite being well programmed um, in, in 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 certain certain services apparently Tasha has no desire to, to ride the android train again at any time which is weird because uh, as we established earlier he is programmed in multiple techniques a broad variety of pleasuring. Yeah. Which is genuinely it, more than my girlfriend would say about me. <laughs> and Like, she'd, like she'd, you, she'd probably say the word broad is doing a lot of heavy lifting there. <laughs> and you should really take that off of your LinkedIn. <laughs> if I... This is a future where, like, if, the, if, if we're on the same trajectory that we're currently on, surely... Somebody as emotionally like who's gone through the shit Tasha's gone through, or with the outlook Tasha's gone through. Surely, sweet emotionless sex is the, yeah. the would be the best thing. And like, it's it's literally impossible for him to get attached. Yeah. Like, if everybody on the Enterprise died tomorrow, Data would be like, oh well, and get sent to another ship. And I imagine you could tell him, don't tell anyone about the thing that I asked you to do, and he'd do it. Yeah. Like he wouldn't tell anyone. You could... she, he goes. She goes over, and she does. However, she does say, "Like, um, oh, this, um, uh, it didn't happen. Don't tell anyone." But I, I do know. But by like later episodes in this, like this is common knowledge. So I can only imagine that Tasha, once she's got a bit of sympathy hole inside her, starts spilling the beans on 
Because again, again, or if I live if I lived in a world where data was a thing and only one person has had sex with data, I want that person's story. Yeah. <laughs> or Deanna Troy every twenty five minutes turns into Picard and goes, Tasha Yar is hiding something. <laughs> <laughs> Picard constantly pesters her until she gives up the go and she's like, I fucked data. Alright? <laughs> Episode two. Riker knows this, he's watched it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's that Riker just knows when anybody within like twenty foot of him has a like. If you go within twenty feet of Riker, Riker immediately knows your entire sexual history. Yeah, he can just uh, smell it. Yeah. <laughs> Did you have sex with Wolf? <laughs> <laughs> smell like Mars bars. <laughs> that's that's what we could do. We should start making up our own racial stereotypes for the races and stuff. <laughs> yeah, well, all Klingons, Klingons smell of chocolate. It's not that widely known. Yeah. don't comment on it, but they do. Old Snicker face over there. <laughs> uh, well, that's, so that's that, kind of all I've got on it. Have you? Yeah. I mean, you that's know. all I've got. It's like, it's one of those things where, like you say, it's, it's, a, it, it's a weirdly perfect episode of Star Trek to do as a second episode because yeah. it's such a textbook episode but you then do what the thing that's affecting the crew be, it affects everyone Yeah, it, it's and it's I don't know these characters well enough to know like I say how, how outcome character are they behaving like everyone being constantly horny except the, the weirdest thing is all of the women get super horny Said and Riker is shown to be like one of the people who's best at keeping his self control for all of this. Fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> if there's anyone who's going to go around sleeping around with the crew, I think the question is you have to go through this one, Mark. Is your three questions to determine whether something is a good episode of Star Trek? Does it ask a big question? No. No. Because <laughs> the question is, can drunk people still perform basic functions? And the answer <laughs> that the show comes up with is no. Yep. The actual answer is yes. Probably, yeah. You can drive drunk. Not well, but you can. Yeah, it's not impossible. You just <laughs> shouldn't. Not... Yeah. Yeah. What were, what were the other ones? Does it ask a big question? Uh, is there any good captaining? No. No, there's no good captaining or tactics. And I think the other in, one was... In fact, the noise Picard makes knocks him into negative terror. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, the other one was: Does it see anything about the human condition? The, the, apparently, the writers have never experienced the drunk part of the human condition. Is no. the only thing this says. Yeah, rape gangs. Um, That's all. Rape gangs. Why? I feel so sorry for Tasha Yar for being from like she's from a Federation planet. Yeah. Why is no? Why is that not talked about? The fact that there's a planet in the Federation that has rape gangs and no one's. Do it. Like if anybody, any a normal Federation planet, somebody gets the fucking sniffles, and there's like a fucking twelve ship humanitarian effort turn up. But there's fucking rape gangs running around on Tasha's planet, and no one's been like, should we should we turn up with guns and stop the rape? I mean, the thing is, you say that, Eddie, but then at the same time, we've never really done anything about the Vatican. So <laughs> yeah, but if you give me the Enterprise, I'll fucking blow the Vatican to pieces. <laughs> if the Vatican, if the Vatican could fly. Would you forgive all the rape? <laughs> well, it's, it's a difficult question. Yeah, and it's, it's, a, it's a question that I wish this episode had asked, but it didn't, uh, so it's not a very good episode of Star actually, Trek, despite being a perfect episode <laughs> of Star Trek. I think, I, think, I think another thing that maybe people don't want to really admit to themselves is that there's a lot of DNA of the original series in here. There's oh, yeah. a lot more of it than people are probably willing to admit. Because this episode isn't very good. Yeah, this this is a textbook bad original series episode. In fact, it literally follows the plot of an earlier T- yeah. TOS episode. Yeah, there is there is a lot. As much as I love the original series, there's a lot in the original series. There are a lot of very ropey episodes of the original series, and most of those, at, like at the time, they probably thought it was good. Yeah, which is is acceptable. It's got a thing, but this was '87. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like you should be able to get people who can act drunk better and you know like just this is what I say the, the, my issue with it is the idea that the moment a woman is drunk she instantly becomes horny feels like p- 
post ad hoc rationalization <laughs> that the writers of this have come up with for actions that are not acceptable that they have performed in the past. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Right. Um, I'm just going to say informed enthusiastic consent is what you're after. If you have to get a woman so drunk she will destroy the Enterprise before she will fuck you, that's not a yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, correct. Oh, Christ. What's the next episode? Oh, mate. Oh, it's uh, Code of Honor. Oh, is that the... I think it's the racist the, episode. It's the racist episode. We've had the misogynistic episode and the racist episode. Gene Roddenberry's if you, if, vision. If, you, if you're not familiar with this, the next episode, we go to Planet Africa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do. Right. Uh, well, we anyway, should get yeah. back to work. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go and take a hypo spray for the Simphahol I've been drinking. I'm going to go and have uh, a hangover wank in the holodeck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go to the holodeck and jizz on a approximation of Data's face, and there's nothing you can do to stop it. <laughs> uh, right. Nice. <laughs> right, yeah, cheers. Bye. Bye. The Captain's Slog is performed by Mark O'Neill and Eddie Edwards. You can follow both of them on Twitter and Instagram. Mark's at RealMarkO'Neill and Eddie is at Ed Edwards Comedy. If you like the podcast, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter and now on YouTube at Captain Slog. And we have a Facebook page as well. Or if you really like what we do here, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Captain Slog. <laughs>